Hey, one more thing before you go. Lighthouses, covered bridges, Robert Frost Farm, beautiful fall foliage, home to the Von Trapps, maple syrup, and the only state that doesn't have a Walmart in it. This is Autumn in Vermont. In this episode, we're going to take a little bit of time to really enjoy and talk about nature and some insight about exploring New England in the fall. It's supposed to be the best in the country. We have not been there yet, but you're in luck. We're going to have a conversation with a professional photographer and a travel guide that's going to share with us everything about share with us everything about the state, the surrounding states within the New England area, and what we can do to enjoy it. Welcome to Over the Teacup Sunday with Michael and Diane. Grab a cup of whatever you're drinking. Sit back, relax. Let's take a fall trip back with Mother Nature and what she has to offer. Our guest in this episode is April Bielefeld. She's a fine art photographer and our guide that originally hails from the Midwest, but she's a world traveler. She's a podcast host. She has a weekly travel group blog, which I've, like, I think I've joined it, I don't know how many times. I've enjoyed it every time that I go in there. April connects artists and travelers with scenic destinations in the U.S. and specializes in women's travel groups, inspiring, motivating, and educating those individuals that want to learn about different cultures, foods, customs, and making it easier to be able to understand the history and the beauty of what lies beneath our feet. We're really excited about this conversation. So welcome to the show, April. Thanks for having me, Michael and Diane. I'm excited to be here. I think it, you know, you and I have known each other for uh, a little while now, actually. And uh, I love the travel conversations that we have on the um, on the weekends. I think that's mostly when I am able to join those. And uh, I get to learn all about travel from all over the world, from you and what you bring together. So uh, this is a little more personal. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Diane, I know that you yeah. want to learn more about photography. Diane's specialty is, well, not specialty, her, she wants to be a photographer. Well, oh, that's great. I, I am a photographer. You are a photographer. I, I try to say that to myself. I am a photographer. I don't get out as much as I need to to do that, but um, really just nature, photo landscape photography, nature photography um, is pretty much what I do. Um, but I, yeah, a uh, bucket list for sure. New England in the fall, hands down. <laughs> it, it is, it's world renowned. I mean, you get, we get tourists in that area from Japan and China and just everywhere, you know, coming to New England that time of year. Right. It was always beautiful. I mean, we, we grew up in Colorado and I, I don't know if you remember in some of our conversations, we're from Colorado. So we're used to the fall colors in Colorado, and we think they were absolutely fantastic. But from my understanding, it, it almost doesn't compare with New England. It's, it's like a notch above in New England in a, in a way. I mean, there's beautiful places. You'll see Colorado pops up on a lot of lists to go enjoy fall foliage. But the quantity of the sugar maples, which are the trees that turn reds and oranges, are what are more abundant in New England. And they are the same trees that produce that wonderful Vermont maple syrup, which we so enjoy. Once you've tasted real maple syrup, it's, it's hard to go back to, you know, some of those shelf brands that I won't mention. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I, we try to do our best to stay with uh, all the real stuff and the natural stuff and the organic stuff. Um, so yeah, I would love to taste uh, New England uh, maple syrup. Yeah, right from the tree. That'd be great. Yeah, right literally tree. right from the tree. There's a property I go to and the husband and wife, they take the maple syrup right from the maples on their driveway. They do beekeeping. Wow. So they have honey. She raises yeah. chickens. So she's got, so then she makes it all into this amazing breakfast that you just can't, there's not many places anymore that do that. I think there's a shift a little bit back to that, which I'm excited to see. And for a lot of travelers that often go with me that are from like, Los Angeles, I mean, they sometimes are riding along and they're like, wait, that was the town, you know, <laughs> they're not used to just the small quaintness that 
New England encompasses. How long have you been going to New England? For stuff I've like been this? going since 2003. That's and before that, my parents, we always, growing up in the Midwest, we always took a fall colors trip to the Mississippi River, into Wisconsin, sometimes uh, Minnesota, but you know, the east, eastern Iowa is rolling hills. You've got, um, that's where the Field of Dreams is. You can go down to Winterset, which is where the bridges that were featured in um, the bridges of Madison County. Wow. And those bridges aren't, there's only a handful in Iowa. I mean, there's still hundreds, I think, of bridges in Vermont and New Hampshire. So it would take you years to actually check off all the covered bridges in New Hampshire and Vermont. But. Oh, so fun. Oh, every time I see those pictures too, just, yeah, I love those. They, well, they make green screensavers. <laughs> they do. Yeah, exactly. And I think for a lot of us, it's just like that slowing down. It, you know, we get outside, we disconnect. I like to just put away the phone, put away the computer. And strangely enough, when I talk to people, I tell them, I mean, there's still parts of Vermont, depending on your cell service, you're not going to have a signal. So just enjoy, just be outside. And the days of fall are short. So you want to be out there and then soak it all up. Exactly. I think uh, we, we need to get back to, I mean, Diane and I try to do this as much as possible, but we need to get back to nature. I think people, when I say this, I'm probably going to get a lot of little notes, but we, uh, too many people have their nose in their phone and they don't yeah. take time to, to really enjoy Mother Nature anymore, to see what gifts are out there, to take time to, the old cliche, take the time to smell the roses. In this particular case, smell the maple. Right, exactly. And just, you know, for you, Diane, you know, just getting out there and getting your camera out there. And the wonderful thing is even a cell phone will get you the fabulous photos. It's more about, as you have started to learn, getting yourself to the right place at the right time. I mean, if you're outside at sunrise and you're standing there and you're seeing the red barn with the trees behind it, you know, get your camera on it. You're going to have a, an award-winning, amazing photo, but it is, it's taking that time and slowing down a little and realizing that on the, the best scenics are on the back roads, you know, 30 to 40 miles is a, an hour, you know, so you're not zipping past everything. You need to slow down. Very cool. I know, I know that you just talk about your, your journey into becoming a travel guide and a travel agent. When did that start? I would say it started as a child almost. Um, my grandfather always had a camera. My dad gave me a camera. And as a kid, we would often forego Christmas gifts to take a summer vacation. And at that point, that's when I started just taking pictures and really having fun with it. And then as life progresses, you kind of step into like having to get a job, pay your bills. And at some point, um, it was actually my husband that bought me a really nice camera and gave it to me. And at first I kind of treated it like, wow, you just gave me a vacuum. You know, <laughs> I hate to say that, you know, this isn't sentimental, but in fact, he opened, he reopened a world of play, reopened a world of, you know, enjoyment. I mean, taking pictures is something that you can do at any age, any skill level, any, anyone from little kids. Um, like I remember getting a little camera point and shoot for my niece, maybe when she's three or five. And, you know, they see things at a different vantage point, their eyes see different things. And you can keep doing that all the way until you're hopefully well into 100 and get amazing photos. So everything was kind of organic from that point, because my job allowed me to have three-day weekends. So I started exploring California and taking others with me. And then this pull of living in California where you don't have the extreme seasons, I was like, I got to go back to New England. And it was my parents actually that took me on the first trip to New England because they had been going ever since I was in high school and they would just take their time and leave me at home and watch the house. And so I'd been hearing about New England. I'd been seeing my father's slides for years. And so I was really looking forward to that trip when they took me. And like they say, they're, they're responsible for what happened after that, because that's when the bug caught me. And once I started taking those photos and bringing them back and 
sharing them in art galleries and photo competitions, other photographers wanted to go with me. And, and in, the tours just kind of organically started from there. And now it's just in my blood. I have to go. <laughs> and you do quite a bit of them, actually. This is right up your alley, Diane. See, we need to... I'm, I'm like, oh! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, she's, and especially in New England area. She, you, want, you want to go to Maine. She wants to go to Maine. I, I don't know why. I've always felt a real pull to Maine. I have no idea why, but um, I, I, that's, yeah, definitely. And and Michael, take note of her story about her husband bought her the camera. <laughs> I, I know her husband. I'm going to have to call him and ask him and make sure that that's a valid, you know. <laughs> it is a valid story. It is for true. And he will say that to the first, I was like, what? You just got me a camera and... You know, I think my dad was a little disappointed because he was thinking of buying me a camera too, to because it was something I so enjoyed as a kid. And it's like when we get hooked into working and paying bills, it's like sometimes we forget yeah. what joy we got as a kid and we need to go back and pull that joy back out. And I and that's why I love to take other people and especially oftentimes, no offense to you, Michael, but women women learn differently than men. A lot of photography workshops are led by men. They're geared towards men and men think more technically. Yeah. And so that technical aspect often overwhelms someone that just wants to play, wants to be creative, loves taking pictures. And so then that squashes that interest in continuing to just explore and have fun. So that's why I like to take people and maybe their first trip with me. And that's why I say my trips mm -hmm. are a great mix for photographers and non-photographers because you just want to go and enjoy New England. You don't have to get up at the crocodile. You can sleep in and enjoy the bed and breakfast. And I'll come back and get you after we do sunrise. I'm not going to leave you there. But um, it's funny, by the end of the week, everybody, whether they brought a cell phone or not, is like, what did you see? Well, I want to go with and experience the joy of a sunrise, experience the light and just the magic. Do you oh. see the? Do you see her eyes lighting up? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> oh yeah, she's she. They can't. We need to take more time to relax. But everything that you just said is everything Diane says about it once a week. It's like yeah. oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to. I want to get out and take some photographs. I want to get out and you know go up in the mountains, go someplace, and and kind of enjoy taking pictures. And right. she. Is she's taken quite a few uh, when we were back in Colorado over the mountains, um, but we were used to the mountains, and you know we were used to traipsing around the mountains and things like that. Um, and she's got some fantastic wildlife stuff, um, some bucks, Ooh, huge right. bucks, and elk and and deer and things like that, as well as some. We're uh, freezing. What's that? Everybody's freezing. Diane's freezing. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Everybody okay? We're good. Um, hopefully we won't have any more technical issues. I can cut this out. It's okay. Um, so when you, uh, obviously you, you, um, you love photography. You love travel. You combine both of them. You created your business. And, and that's kind of pretty much what you do now. You travel. Um, and you're... Traveling is mostly in the United States? Yes, mostly the United States. I do travel outside the States. Um, my dad is my best travel companion, I have to say, when I go explore places. And I'm fortunate that I have, that he has such a love of exploring. So we have gone, I have gone to Germany in autumn and, you know, he's done the driving, I've done the photography, I plan it out. Um, but New England is... You know, I'd like to get to Scotland, back to Scotland in the autumn. But honestly, um, there's nothing like New England in autumn, to be honest. Just the quaintness, the little steeple towns. And there's some sort of draw. And I think for a lot of us in the United States, our ancestors, for most of us, that's kind of where they first set foot on the soil. So sometimes just in the quiet of those places, and many of those places I've been able to trace my roots back to, I just feel like it's home, like I belong there. I mean, I could easily, my husband's not gonna like to hear that, but <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's born and raised LA musician, but um, just that change of seasons, just the small town, the friendliness of the people. And 
there's so much to explore in a really compact area. It's an area of the United States. And we have many parts of the United States. We're really blessed that you don't have to have a passport. There's so many areas of the U.S. that are so diverse. You know, you've got the deserts of the Southwest. You've got the coastlines of California and Maine, which are very vastly different in landscape. You know, and even the Midwest has its own unique beauty or the South. So, you know, we just have a lot we could explore right here. It might be that you had past history or relatives there. It's funny how I've been able to trace my roots back to those areas. And without even knowing it, sometimes it's later. I'm like, oh, you know, my ancestors came from that location. Um, back yeah. in school, we had a project, which I wish I don't know about kids in school today, but it was a family history project and you had to research your roots and we went to Salt Lake City and in the library in Salt Lake City, there's a whole book about one angle of my family and they still have a brick house standing built in the 1700s in New Hampshire. So it's just even without visiting that house as such, I just feel a kinship to the area to, like I said, it's kind of stepping back in time and visiting old family members, even though I don't physically maybe interact with such you know, people in a face-to-face -face right. manner. <laughs> no, I, think no, all, I think we're all that way. Diane, I think your aunt may have said that you have relatives back there. Uh, the aunt that we talk to a lot about that or yeah, other side? Because I was thinking of the other side of the family because like my mom's yeah. relative in Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, so that, that could very well be. The that, Parker side. Yeah, that there's some in Maine. Well, I think it was actually the Briggs side. But anyway, yeah. Or Briggs or yeah. one so, of those. Yeah, I, I, that makes a lot of sense. I'll have to check that. Um, we do have a family history that my mom's uncle did, like, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. So I'll have to check that. That makes yeah, sense. I think, yeah. And just, you know, the history of the United States, you know, all the historic spots that we read about, you know, Concord, Massachusetts with the bridge. You've got, you know, places where um, Robert Frost wrote his poetry. Um, I love the little story about Grandma Moses who discovered her art and painting well. I think she was in her 80s, <laughs> late 70s when she, you know, started painting. And then, you know, her paintings and I guess her son now still paints um, Andrew Wyeth and his lineage of painting along the main coast. Um, that famous painting, Christina's World, that we all recognize with the hill and the house and Christina laying on the hillside. You can actually visit that site in Maine. So just, you know, oh, in our undercurrent of our American history of art and writing, it's just, it all ties back to this area. Yeah, that's amazing. Definitely yeah, that's, need it. We need yeah, we need to go back there uh, to the East Coast anyway. My, um, my, that's where my family's from. My family's from Pennsylvania. Um, oh, the majority of, are from Pennsylvania, that area, and West Virginia and Virginia kind of situation. And I was actually born in West Virginia, but came out to Colorado when I was like a baby. So all I remember is Colorado. But the pictures that my mother had from West Virginia of the mountains in West Virginia were like amazing. So one of these days, one of these days, we, we should do You're going to go. I can feel it. <laughs> yeah, Diane's going to take lots of pictures. <laughs> yeah. And she's going to like get up early and go outside and you can just take your hot coffee and go with her. It's worth it. With her new camera, her husband buys her. <laughs> yeah, there you, go. <laughs> there you go. And see, now it's on record because it's on tape. <laughs> it is, yeah, or it a is. really nice iPhone. I, I, some of these iPhones, that's crazy what they can do. Yeah, I and I we have pretty new versions of iPhone. I can't figure out the camera to save my life. I can't I can't get I can get a few good pictures of the backyard here and there, you know, when the flowers are blooming and stuff. I probably have better pictures than what I'm willing to admit, but I it just there's so much and you were talking about the technicality and how when men lead these these um the photo workshops it's all, and I'm, and I'm just even online. I try to read up, you know, see, okay, right. can I learn? And it's all about the technical stuff about the camera. Do you know how boring that is to me? I can't exactly. Do I just want to? I, I just want to take pictures. Yeah, and honestly, yeah. that's what I tell people. It's like 
with the digital cameras, it's like, try all the settings. I mean, when you look at a photograph, whether it's online or hanging on a gallery wall, I mean, mm -hmm. how many of us are going to look at it and go, oh, I think he shot that at F8, at ISO 100, and bracketed three times and blended it together in Photoshop. Honestly, none of that matters. I mean, honestly, you're just going to enjoy the beauty of the photograph. So the fun thing about where we've come from film to now digital is you can take as many pictures as you want and just delete all of the bad ones. So you get to play and you also get that instant looking at it to see, oh, wow, this, this photo is too dark. It's too far. I just use the histogram. It's too far to the, to the left. It's all too dark. I, let me change something and try taking it again. And with landscapes, we have a little bit of leeway on time. You know, you can stand out there for a little while. The light does change fairly quickly, mm -hmm. but you know, unless a moose walks through, you know, we oh. have some time to like play, you know, <laughs> but this is awesome. why I always say have the, you can always use auto. There's those auto settings. Just get the picture, you know? <laughs> How lucky we would be if a moose just walked through. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Exactly. Half the time when that happens, we all are, I've been with photographers and we're all like, our fingers don't know what to do and none of us get the picture. It's just too much excitement. <laughs> I, I have a moose story for you. Oh, good. I actually went to a call. This lady called. We thought she was kidding. She called the police department. She called 911. She said, I have a moose on my roof. On her roof? On her roof. We thought she was kidding. When I pulled up, there literally was a moose on her roof. He had slid down from the hilltop and ended up on her roof and didn't know how to get down. Poor thing. Oh, yeah. no, that's terrible. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, you, very rarely do you get a call, there's a moose on a roof. So we, right. yeah, exactly. we had a moose on the roof. They, wildlife had to, uh, they put it, you know, shot him with a, a tranquilizer and then uh, they had a crane come in uh, and kind of lift it up and then put it down on the ground until it kind of woke up and then uh, took off on its own. Probably went, what the hell? <laughs> just yeah, like, exactly. What just happened to me? I lost I lost the hours of my yeah. life. Oh, no, what's going on? This is crazy. Um, bad day for Bullwinkle. What's that? Bad day for Bullwinkle. Oh, bad day for Bullwinkle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of crazy. Um, in all your traveling, uh, I know that you have some tips that you might share, just um, if we don't mind kind of sharing some of those tips about uh, uh, traveling. Should we prep early? Should it, Can it be done on the on the spur of the moment? Can we like just all of a sudden to say, hey, we want to take a trip here and uh, like to Maine, for example, and go? Some of these areas, I'll be honest, for fall foliage in New England, they book up. Um, I was just online the other day and best weeks to go and you'll see this on many websites there's a website called yankee magazine that's a regional magazine for that area and they have a fall foliage tracker the first two weeks of october are generally prime though the last few years i've noticed you can still catch fall color all the way into the end of october it just becomes more chancy and you need to keep moving south so like color starts in northern Vermont, Northern New Hampshire and Maine, and then it'll shift south, you know, Boston, like leave Boston until the end of your trip, because honestly, color in the big cities like Boston and New York tends to be later. There's something about the cities that kind of insulate them and just, you know, nature, it, it, the colors change generally later there, but waiting until the last minute means you might be left paying a lot of money for a hotel room or have to drive quite a ways to find a hotel room or be willing to be, have very Spartan accommodations, you know, like something that's a little iffy as far as, you know, how clean it is or how old it is. Um, even your corporate hotels, like your Holiday Inns, your Marriott's, um, when you look up like Burlington, Vermont, or, you know, Portland, Maine, they can run $400 a night on the weekends during this time, just because it is so extremely popular. So I wouldn't say don't go because I always advise like none of us knows what might happen to us tomorrow. So if you haven't made a plan, figure it out and definitely try to go. But on the other hand, if you have the luxury of time, 
plan, start planning early. And I always advise like, try to find lodgings first because you can always figure out what to do in those areas once you have a base, a place to sleep, you know, a warm bed and a shower. Warm bed and a shower is always good. <laughs> yeah. Always good. Um, you get, uh, as, you, as you've got, you put uh, women into the conversation on your itineraries and your tour groups. Can you help us understand that so people that are listening and viewing can... Uh, get involved in the conversation because that's the only way to go. Yeah, exactly. Well, itineraries are a great way to go for anyone that wants to do it themselves, which, you know, um, what we've been through the last few years or oftentimes you have a multi-generational, like a family that wants to go. And that makes sense. You know, they're going to rent their own car. They may, you know, they may already know that they want to fly in and out of Boston. So I do a lot of specialized planning and working with clients to tailor something specifically to their needs, um, working with them from everything from where to stay, since I've stayed at so many locations over the last 15 plus years, you know, going out there three weeks in October, you know, no, I don't physically live there, but if I lived there, I wouldn't be sleeping in all the hotels, bed and breakfast and in. So I do have an extensive Rolodex of places I've stayed, my favorite places that have those amazing breakfasts that I mentioned earlier with real maple syrup and, you know, they're making you things right from their garden all the way to like, you know, again, budget wise, you know, if it's a special anniversary trip, I know special places that are more set up for something that's really romantic all the way to something that's more family oriented and not everybody is comfortable staying in a bed and breakfast. So Again, tailoring something from where they're going to stay, what are the scenic routes they want to drive, and maybe what their special interests are. Whether it's, you know, not everybody wants to take photos 24-7. Some people want to go just sample all the great food, or they want to check out all the craft breweries, or they have a real interest in history. So giving them a day-by-day planned out, like, here's what you can do, and giving them enough choices so that they can adjust accordingly because being fall you know you may wake up and it's pouring rain so now you're not going to be taking that hike in the leaves you know you may want to visit a museum or you may want to spend time in the little shop so everything on that you know i can do custom and then my tours i do have some mixed tours for again you have couples where the husband likes to sleep in the wife likes to do photography or some tours i just cater just to all women just for that you know, that comfort level of learning and being open to like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing with my camera, which oftentimes we feel uncomfortable sharing that in a mixed group. So just a real range of things that I like to do and offer and work with people. I just have a real passion to share what's out there. I think it is a hidden gem and I value that Vermont and some of the other states too, they're working so hard to maintain and support their local family-owned businesses. And that's what I truly try to get people to go to first versus, you know, spending their dollars at a corporate hotel because you can honestly stay at a Holiday Inn or a Marriott anywhere, but to stay in someone's personal home that has a historic barn on the property, that's unique and that's unique to this area. Definitely. And it's funny because I've never been a bed and breakfast person. Um, I'm pretty private and I just kind of like my space, but you said the magic word breakfast and real maple syrup. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm there now. Let's and, go. And history and history. I think, you know, that, that's, that's the one thing that uh, Diane and I really are interested in and value yeah. is the historical aspects of places that uh, we have gone and what's there. I mean, you're touching history, you're walking in history and right. you're breathing history. From that perspective, I think that's a very um, unique trip when when you do that, uh, and, um, and not just aside from the from the autumn or the fall, you know. I think that it's a, a valuable um, lesson to to go and walk through history. Yeah, exactly. And there's also small inns, so you don't have to feel like someone's right on top of you as well. I mean, there's actually old stagecoach stops that. I mean, there was in back in the 1700s when Paul Revere is making his ride and, you know, they're plotting in the tavern of, you know, how are we going to do this and how is this going to happen? And 
over the tavern, they had rooms. Well, some of those places now you can stay in and you can wow. see the wide old beams, you know, and the wood and kind of smell that, you know, it's just kind of baked in there, you know. The <laughs> that's pretty cool. That would be awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. That would be amazing. Uh, I have to ask you what a leaf peeper is. A leaf peeper is a, someone that um, goes and chases fall colors, that goes and chases the, you know, literally has to go out there. And it's been a, or a term that's been around for a while, but not as many people are familiar with it. And it's just that curiosity of, you know, seeing the leaves change and getting out there and walking around. And whether it's the Midwest or it's New England, you know, that change of season. That's kind of, I think that's, I mean, correct. I think, Diana, you agree with me. That's what we kind of miss here in Arizona is we miss the changing of the leaves and stuff that we were seeing in Colorado. Yeah. You know, here, I, well, I'm grateful for being here, but the stuff that's here is like, is here one day and then is dead. <laughs> we, we could take more trips up north. Um, we could. You know, Flagstaff and Sedona and all of that. Um, they... They don't, I don't think it sticks around as long as it does back east or in Colorado, mm. but it is, and it's beautiful. I have some pictures from there. Well, plus, unfor unfortunately, there's only one way up from Phoenix to Flagstaff oh. in Sedona. And on the weekends, it is packed. I mean, bumper to bumper, all the way to all the way up to Flagstaff or, or to Sedona, which... You know, that doesn't make, by the time you get there, you're frazzled and you're tired and you're grumpy and, you know, it's, you drive to either one of them, either Prescott or, or Flagstaff or Sedona, all three of them. And, you know, you're just fighting tourists all the way up and it gets kind of frustrating. So by the time you get up there, you don't do anything. So we need a helicopter. We need a helicopter. There you go. Right. Well, I'll that bite. was one of my tips too, is avoid... Even in New England, like try to avoid Columbus Day weekend. That yeah. is the busiest weekend because most of the East Coast gets that off as a, and I'm sorry, Columbus Day has been renamed, um, I believe, Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, mm -hmm. But um, it's a federal holiday. So you've got bankers, you know, and a lot of people that live in, say, mm -hmm. Boston or New York, they use that three-day weekend as their fall getaway that's just mm -hmm. part of their dna like oh we'll just take our fall weekend and go to the country and and so they all hit the road too so that's another thing when i talk to people about planning if you can you know think about where you're gonna be that weekend because honestly that is the single most expensive weekend your bed and breakfast are going to um a lot of them require a minimum three night reservation they're going to have very strict cancel policies and just the dollar amount is higher. So, you know, there's places in Maine that it's still, Maine is still kind of getting the gist of like, oh, we have people that want to come here in the fall. I mean, Maine has kind of been a hidden gem. A lot of people go to Maine in the summer, but I always tell people fall is glorious along the coast of Maine. You still get the tree change. It's quiet because not as, again, it's not quite as, trafficked as the fall paths where there's trees on all sides of you. I mean, in Maine, you know, you've got the seacoast, you've got the lighthouses, you've got these little scenic little towns and they do start to shutter after Columbus Day weekend, but, or indigenous people's weekend, but um, it's still just a gem. It's, it's quiet and it's a wonderful way to enjoy Maine. You know, what's the difference between, um, I know you talked a little bit about Colorado and the difference, but What's the difference between New England, Colorado, and maybe some other places that people could go um, to, to leaf peep? Yeah. I just um, wanted to say that. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, the Midwest has a lot of great places to leaf peep. Uh, Midwest Living is does a great job of highlighting locations in the Midwest. Like you've got north of, along the northern shore of Lake Superior, you've got Duluth, you've got um, just outside the Twin Cities, You've got Michigan is fabulous. It's not as populated in Michigan, but the trees are glorious. It's incredible. Parts of Wisconsin, you've got river valleys, um, any of, you know, Eastern Iowa, as I mentioned, anything along there, along the Mississippi, you've got apple orchards, you've got rolling farms, you've got, you know, again, quaint little towns doing fall festivals. 
Um, Colorado, the Rockies are beautiful. Montana gets fall colors. Even the Sierras of California, you've got uh, Yosemite is unique in fall because you've got the yellows of the trees. But a lot of times, depending on how dry California is, you go into Yosemite and you look up at that canyon wall where there was a waterfall and all of a sudden it's just, it's not there. It's dried up. <laughs> so you've got many, many places. But what separates New England, again, is that concentration of sugar maples, which are the ones that turn the reds, the oranges, and the concentration of these, this colonial architecture, the white steeple churches, the little town squares where they've got a little green square in the middle. That is kind of unique to New England. It's unique to anything in Massachusetts, uh, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont. That area. I think that um, it, it, people forget, and I think we should be reminded, that the beauty that's around us um, we just have to take the opportunity to experience it and to open our eyes and look, take the time, take the breath, take the, take the moment to smell the smell of the maple. And that's another, that's another tip I always try to t tell people too, is oftentimes we have grand plans of like, you know, I have a week and I want to go to New England and I want to fly in and out of Boston, but I want to see Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, and they try to pack in too much. And as I alluded to a little earlier, even though it looks small on the map, you have less interstates that dissect these areas. And the best little towns are the ones that are off the little two lane roads that, you know, you can only go, like I said, 45 miles, 50 miles an hour. And then just that planning of where to spend your weekends because you have a lot of colleges, universities, and fall, as we all know, everyone's got the football season going and homecoming and parents weekend. So now all the people that are going to those Ivy League schools, you know, they're coming back to these areas and they're taking up the rooms too. And so wow. I always tell people, try to like pull the circle in. I mean, that, and that's the hard part because when I'm working with people planning, we, we all get excited. We're like, yeah, but I think I can fit all this in. And then when you really start to lay it out and look at the driving distances, it's like, it gets dark at six o'clock. You know, do you want to, you know, you can't see the leaves after six o'clock. So, <laughs> you know, you want to be eating dinner there, you know, being in your little town and just enjoying that. I think the older that you and I have gotten, Diane, the more we follow that mode of operation. Instead yeah. of trying to cram all this stuff in there, we've learned to, yeah, it that's yeah. we've done before. Well, yeah, the 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 cramming into yeah every we, minute minute is filled. Yeah, well, we've stopped not, doing that though. I mean, we've kind of really kind of backed off and yeah. and really stopped to say, okay, we're just going to enjoy this. Uh, like our last vacation we just took, mm -hmm. we took the opportunity to just kind of relax. Whatever was going to happen happened, and we really enjoyed ourselves. Uh, we took a whale watching trip. Didn't see any whales, but we still took a whale watching trip. It was nice. Yeah. You know, we we enjoyed the boat and the water and the birds, and it was pretty cool. I faced my biggest fear of open ocean, and it, and I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I was. I was I was nervous about it, but um, yeah, no, it was really cool. We're gonna go again in March, so. We are. Oh, good. Yeah. April, if somebody's going to go. Is, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, it is, it is hard to like scale back. I mean, I was guilty of it too, um, you know, when I first went to New England, because you do, you want to see so much and you want to experience so much. But at the end of your trip, then you, you feel like, oh my gosh, I need a vacation for my vacation. I literally was running from place to place. And, you know, I always suggest to people too, like, I don't like to drive after dark, you know, maybe I'm getting older, but again, in these smaller areas, I mean, these two lane roads that you don't always have cell reception. You can't always rely on your GPS. And I personally have had experiences in the years I've been doing this where I, I ha it has been after dark and I've had to literally stop and find an open little restaurant or somewhere and ask them, like, I got turned around. I don't have a cell signal. Where am I at? So. That's scary. Uh, speaking of, of, of that, what should, what should we uh, do to prepare for one of these trips? I mean, what, like clothing or 
um, food or how should we prepare for something like this if we were going to go? If you're going to go on your own, um, I always advise getting yourself a paper map along with your GPS and have a good lay of like what town you're going to get to next. Because like I said, I'm not always will your GPS work. I always advise packing in layers. Um, it's fall, you get a real mix of, you know, if it's sunny on a given day, it can get up into the, you know, unfortunately, everything's kind of warming up. You know, I've hit days where it can be in the 70s, and it can be pretty warm, you're out in the sunshine, you're in the pumpkin patch. So you know, a long sleeve t shirt or button down shirt, but then in the mornings, you know, hopefully it's getting to that freezing temperature of 32 degrees, which is what snaps the color. So then you want to have you know, some layers, a sweater, um, a rain jacket, always advise a rain jacket because most often you're going to hit some, some sort of precipitation this time of year and a good pair of boots. Um, even if you're not a heavy duty hiker, I just think the hiking boots keep your feet warm. They keep your feet dry. They give you a little bit more support on some of the trails and None of you has to be a super duper hiker to just take some of the short trails to some of the beautiful waterfalls or walk through the covered bridges or just get off the beaten path for a few minutes and you know find a nice bench and have a picnic. So those are some of the top things I always recommend and always bring something to capture some of your memories. Um, it's good, I always re recommend to people to take photos but also take time just to set it down and just breathe in that change of season, taste the maple syrup, you know, go get a cider donut and just sit and enjoy for a little bit. Slow down. Cider donut. Sounds we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we need to talk about that. I'm a foodie, as you can tell. It's like the flavors of the season. You might have to shove one of those in an envelope and mail it back, please. <laughs> Maybe two, just in case one gets damaged. Just, mm -hmm. just in case. Uh, this, uh, these are some fantastic, op um, let me try that in English. I'm thinking about donuts. See, remember cop, yeah, they, cop right? <laughs> Mention donuts and everything goes. <laughs> um, you have brought some, uh, very interesting points up for people when they get prepared for taking a trip somewhere, especially one like this and especially into a place that, that they're not used to. Um, even when I was in Colorado, we used to have people get lost all the time. Uh, up the mountains, and they get lost because they weren't prepared. And I think that uh, some of that advice you, that you gave is uh, perfect for that, actually. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, they um, will watch this in time <laughs> to get some of those I, tips. Yeah, to get some of those yeah. tips. All is, you know, next week. Oh, I know. It's like, what is it, September 22nd? I always get super excited for fall, and it's just like I want to get out there and there's that you're going to start seeing the photos on the internet the weather channel is going to give you that fall foliage update yep. and someone sees one red tree and we all start to be like oh no it's happening and i'm not there <laughs> so. Going boom exactly. well speaking about there let's talk about your trips you have some trips that you have planned that people can join you on and experience everything that we just talked about you've got two of them so we're going to talk about both of them um let's talk about this one yeah, so the first one is in Vermont. So we start in Burlington, Vermont, and we go to places like Stowe, where the Von Trapps, which is the family from The Sound of Music, which many of us are familiar with, they settled in Vermont near the Stowe area, and they built um, a lodge, which people can stay at the lodge. It is kind of pricey, but it's wonderful to go there. They've set up a beer hall now, and descendants of the family still run and operate the location. So that's part of the trip. We, I always try to include that mix of experiences, you know, covered bridges, having some maple cider donuts, sampling maple syrup, walking through the leaves, um, small towns, making sure there's waterfalls in both Vermont and New Hampshire. The Vermont trip really focuses on Vermont just because there is so much there. And in Northern Vermont, the color starts there. So you've got that instinct of just being there when it's like the excitement's just starting. And Vermont is very, it's still very um, protected of its, like I said, its small businesses, the mom and pop shops, 
Um, you're not going to see a lot of corporates except maybe in the Burlington area. So we spend a lot of time just on the back road, going to Woodstock, Vermont, which um, the Rockefellers put a lot of money into. And thank, thank goodness for the Rockefellers, they buried all the underground, the overhead cable. So their town square is just pristine. It's Hollywood ready, I call it. You know, you've got like a covered bridge right there off the town square. You've got these really nice churches and again, just everything that encompasses kind of that fall experience. Yeah, a little bit for a little bit of something for everyone. Right. And your second one is New England in whole. Yes. The second one is really that sampler. It's a little bit of <clears throat> excuse me, everything. We start in Manchester, New Hampshire which is an easy, like if you want to fly into Boston, there's a bus line from Boston right up to Manchester, New Hampshire is the starting point. We start and end there, but we spend time in New Hampshire, which has the infamous Kank Highway. It's got a longer name, but it's kind of hard to say. We all know it as the Kank Route 112. Cuts right across New Hampshire. It's a great drive even if you're going on your own because you can spend a whole day driving it even though it's only 30 miles. It follows one of the rivers. The colors of the trees are incredible. It changes elevation. So you've got those reds, you've got all the colors of the rainbow, a covered bridge. It's lots of easy pull-offs. So it's accessible to anyone that if you have young kids or older people that you're traveling with, you don't have to hike far. You park the car and the colors and the river are right there. Have a picnic. We venture into Vermont. And one of my favorite locations that is in Vermont, which is on both trips, is we stay at a property that has a historic four-story red barn. And that property went from the family to another family that have been lovingly cared for it. We stay. And it's not your typical idea of a bed and breakfast. I think a lot of us have that idea that a lot of bed and breakfast fell into for a while, which was very Victorian, lots of wallpaper and all of that. And many of them are not. Many of them now are more simple, just wood floors, sparse, you know, you know, sparse as far as stuff, you know, because we don't like the clutter. <laughs> That's part of it. But this trip really is just that everything trip. It's a little of everything, a little bit of the maple syrup, the covered bridges, the waterfalls, the fall walks and and time on the southern main coast. So we do see a lighthouse. We do have a lobster dinner. We can enjoy all of that. So that's it, I, this is like my premier trip. It does cover that time period that is most popular. So it is a little bit more expensive than the Vermont trip. But it does, usually it is at prime time when colors are supposed to be at their peak. But both of them have plenty of opportunities to get a real sense of her of New England and for your first time, a great way to experience it firsthand. And both of these trips are seven days, seven nights, correct? Yep. Both are seven days, seven nights. They're both small, maximum of eight people. I like to keep it small so that we're all in one vehicle. You'll find if you're looking at photography tours, which this is not, these both these trips are perfect for photographers and non-photographers, because as I mentioned, because the days are shorter, I offer like for the true photographers, we get up and go out at sunrise. The rest of everyone else can enjoy and sleep in a little, wake up and we meet back at the bed and breakfast or in for a, a hot breakfast together. And then we go on about our day. So there's something for everyone. I've even split sometimes and left the shoppers in a little quaint town for a few hours and then come back while a few of us like may maybe do a quick loop to photograph a couple more covered bridges, let's say. But keeping the group in one vehicle does allow a lot, it's a lot easier to be flexible. Like if we get to a location and it's pouring rain, cats and dogs, we can move on to the next spot. You know, we're not married to, okay, now we gotta wait for five cars and just make a decision. It, it really keeps it cohesive. You get to be best friends with these people, but you also, um, a lot of the places, honestly, for the best photos, there's not a lot of room to pull off these roads. And both of these are in October. And uh, you have a website that they, somebody can visit if they're um, interested in coming on any one of your trips, whether it be these two or other ones that you offer. Correct. And the website is yourphototravelguide.com. And I'll make sure this in the show notes as well. Um, obviously, people who are viewing here can take a screenshot of that or type it in directly. I'll make sure that it uh, goes in the show notes for the people listening 
so they have easy access um, to get to where you, um, where they need to go to get to you. Um, Diane? So I just need to kidnap Diane and take her with me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she would be a willing, a willing uh, participant. <laughs> yeah. be you going, can go too, Michael. You can enjoy the breakfast. And <laughs> you'd uh, have fun too. I just enjoy the wildlife right. and enjoy the enjoy nature. That's what I'll do. Right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Diane, do you think uh, any other questions that you have? Any more interest? Any more uh, anything else that intrigues you before we go? Um, I think we covered it. I I want to go. I just want to go. You just want to go. <laughs> <laughs> maybe next. Obviously, it's too it's too soon now. But maybe next year, maybe we can do that. April, this is one more thing before you go. Even though it's over the teacup. I still ask everybody one more thing before you go. Is there anything or any words of wisdom that you can have or share with anybody that wants to be a photographer or a traveler that uh, you can inspire and motivate them? I would say um, taking a trip with someone you love is an ultimate gift. And I'm going to get teary-eyed saying that because it's a gift my parents gave me. And it's thankfully even though my mother is no longer with me, that my father and I continue to share. And he is my, like I said, he's willing to go and explore any new places I go to. And that's a lot of what I share is things they shared with me. And that I want to gift to other people and see them have that joy, whether it's a mother daughter trip, you know, husband and wife and do it before it's too late. I often talk to people, sadly, I'm had a client this year, same thing, you know, he and his wife weren't able to, they didn't get to realize it. So now he's taking his buddy and driving his red pickup. And I love them for that, that he's like, I'm going to go do it. He's going to go do it with his buddy. And they're driving up, I think, from somewhere in the south, red pickup, and they're going to do it. So just Brilliant do it. Words. Amazing words of wisdom. Okay. Yeah. Amazing and words of wisdom. Someone you love, go do it. Don't wait. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, well, like one more thing before you go. The adage is life can change in an instant. Mm-hmm. You never know. So amazing words of wisdom. Thank you very much. I appreciate you being on the show with Diane and I. Um, thank you for sharing your wisdom and your experiences and uh, your personality. And this has been a great conversation. Yeah, thank you, April. Thank you, Diane. Yeah, thanks, Diane and Michael. Very much appreciate it. Everybody, just make sure to check the show notes out in order to find the uh, website and how to contact April. And if you want to get booked for these uh, uh, trips in October, um, I would do it sooner than later. Um, So thank you very much for joining us. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. One More Thing Before You Go, established 2010, all rights reserved.